Yeah. 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 Booming out in Sabonet like Lou Will. Six men like Lou Will. The Six Man Podcast. Welcome back, folks, to the Sixth Man Podcast. Solely focused on the National Basketball Association. With yours truly, Alex Moskowitz from the Emory Wheel Sports Section. And Aaron Perlstein from Fan Active. This podcast will be broadcast on all, all platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So, we're going to get right into question session, presented by Grip, the best new apparel brand on the East Coast. Go to God's Grip. Dot bigcartel.com today. Okay, so our first question, Aaron is Aaron is is Ben Simmons worth the five year $170 million extension that he received last week from the Philadelphia 76ers? Well you need to understand, I mean, first of all, we saw three billion dollars go around in the first day of free agency. So this is just it's the identity of the NBA today. People are getting some insane contracts. You know, it's insane compared to like the MLB, but we even have a salary cap. So it's it's just insane the amount of money people are getting. So if you look at that compared to the contract he got, it's not as outrageous as people think it is. And then also this guy, I mean, it's he's going into his third year. Um, well, fourth season, but third. Okay. Yeah. Year of playing. Okay. Third year of he playing. He missed his first year. Okay. Yeah, that happens. Third year of playing. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I know you're going to say that he hasn't progressed enough for you to, to offer this in the second year. But he was an all-star snub the first two years of his career. He averaged eight, averaged eight, 19, 7, and 8 last year. He was eighth in assist percentage. Um, I mean, <clears throat> everything showed. Like, they were better. They had a 4.1 um, offensive rating, like a – Offensive rating that increased 4.1 points when he was on the floor. Okay, he is the anchor of their offense. He is a perfect uh, piece next to Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris, and now Josh Richardson, who is much better as a spot up shooter. Um, and you need to understand that not everyone's going to go out and score 30 points per game. He is a just a preliminary, a good playmaker and he's one of the best in the league and having someone on that is rare and is a necessity for a team with Joel Embiid with all these guys to have someone like Ben Simmons is very good I agree Ben Simmons does a lot of things well he is a multifaceted basketball player he can pass the ball he's selfless on the court but with that selflessness comes the obligation as a starter and a guy who you say should have made the All-Star team, he needs to take more than five shots in Game 7 against the Raptors. But that the was Sixers, their game plan. The Sixers only scored 90 points in that final game. The Rap- They held the Raptors to 92, but they only scored 90 points. So Ben Simmons, the fact that he was unwilling to shoot the ball, and the fact that he really doesn't have even a mid-range jumper at this point, considering he only shot 60% from the free throw line, minimizes his value. And in my opinion, 
if Ben Simmons works on his jumper, he improves that facet of his game, I think he's an all-star, and I think you give him the max. But from my perspective, if I were the GM, considering he will be a restricted free agent next year, it's not like he's going into unrestricted free agency. So no matter the contract that he signs with another team, you can match that contract if you're the Philadelphia 76ers. So not if someone sends him an obscene contract and you have to lose but assets. What, but the the thing is, Aaron, you can't the the team that has the player originally has the financial um they they have not always. If someone offers him a contract that is out of their salary cap and they have to move assets around, you're you're at no, a but, fault. No, but the team that has the player before is able to offer him not a bigger contract. Always. Not always a more Years, but not always more, more. years and more annual. Um, not dollars. more annual money, just one more if you, year. If you have the cap space, right? And with all these monies tied up in Joel Embiid and Tobias, you don't know that. So why take the risk? I mean, you, I, in my opinion, they could have waited and gotten him from far cheaper and seen if he actually does progress. And I'm still not convinced Ben Simmons is the perfect complement for Joel Embiid. Considering that Embiid, you know, if there's one thing that Embiid doesn't do well, it's shoot the ball from the three. He can step out and shoot it, but he's very inconsistent. He shot 30% from three last year. So I'm still not convinced that Ben Simmons is the answer to pair with Joel Embiid and actually bring them uh, to the title. So if you wait... You have all this money tied up anyway, so if you wait one year, you're already in win-now mode. You see how the players mesh, considering they weren't able to get past the Raptors in the conference semifinals. Let, I mean, the Raptors were a great team. They but, won the finals. Yes, they were a great team, but still, they weren't able to get past them. And I would be intrigued to see, given that the Eastern Conference is pretty wide open now, really there's the Bucks and everybody else, so given that there's... A big window for the Sixers this year. You see if they're able to get it done this year. If not, you could ship Simmons in a sign and trade to another team and ultimately possibly improve your team. So, in why, my opinion, why are you trading away with someone that's going into his third year? I mean, to because say, you're because you're in win now mode right okay, now. Okay, right. And to respond to what you said, first of all, if we look at the clutch statistics from the regular season, yeah, if you take the playoffs. It was not their game plan to give it to Embiid. They didn't want to. I mean, Leonard was on him a good amount of the series. They wanted to kind of digress him and allow Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. Not always. They put. <clears throat> they ended up putting Danny Green there and Kyle Lowry moving to J.J. Redick, and they wanted Kawhi Leonard on Ben Simmons to help off of him when he's at the three-point line and all that different stuff. Exactly, but he was helping off. Okay, but if he actually had a viable jump shot. Right, okay. Obviously, people have things to work on. That is obviously his... his his thing that he needs to work on. But regardless, that wasn't their game plan, and they wanted to go through Embiid. He got into foul trouble. Jimmy Butler wasn't as efficient as he usually was in the clutch. But if we go to the regular season, I mean, his clutch statistics, he was a net 51 in points. He His offensive rating was 125 in the clutch statistics. I mean, like, it doesn't really much it get much better than that. And like I said, I actually, was actually wrong. His net points per 100 possessions when he was on the court was 7.1. Off the court was negative 0.8. I mean... He's a guy, his net points are plus 388 when he's on the court and negative 19 when he's off the court. So he's a guy that is a game changer. And 
He's someone that is shoots effectively, but he's not someone that could go out and shoot a three-pointer. And yeah, he has to work on that. That's his probably his biggest Achilles heel. But ever like James Harden's Achilles heel is that he turns or Russell Westbrook but, is that he turns the ball over a lot. Like all these guys have things and he he's his efficient field goal percentage is 56.3 when the efficient field goal percentage actually a three-pointer is weighed in much more than a two-pointer. He has it's he has fifty-six point three percent, which is higher than Kawhi, Kyrie, Clay, James, Beal, uh, Paul George, Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton. He's fortieth in player impact rating, which is higher than no, Devin Booker, because Kemba Walker, Jimmy, the Donovan Mitchell, high... all these guys that are just the one star on their team. And that says a lot about this guy. Yeah, you want to, everyone wants to bag him for bad games in the playoffs for not being able to shoot outside ten feet, but they don't really see the intangibles that he brings to the 76ers. He brings assist percentage he usually averages around that he's he assists 60 percent of the 76ers assists per game he is someone that is fine taking a backseat to Embiid which is an important thing on a big team you know we saw that that people aren't talking about very much with with the Warriors Kevin Durant and Draymond Green they got into that big fight and that's why he people think he left the Warriors it's important to have guys that are hum, uh, like that will give other people the spotlight when they need to and putting him next to Josh Richardson and guys that can shoot is is imperative. And you know, but but I would argue that they got worse shooting the ball this offseason. Okay. So well, so not, if they lost if, JJ Redick, but I if mean, if they got if they got more stagnant and really lost shooting this offseason, considering their projected lineup is going to have Al Al Horford at the power forward, his natural position, and but he's still not a good three point shooter. He's, he's decent. Spreads the floor. But people, Tobias people, Harris is a far better people guard him at the three point line, which is all that matters. That doesn't matter. You can still help off of Al, Al Horford. Not as much when you have. But but no 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 no. But considering they had Tobias Harris at the position last year and Jimmy Butler a really good three point shooter at the three, I think there's gonna, there's less shooting for the Sixers right now. And what worries me about Ben Simmons, and you can point to the fact that. He does shoot an efficient percentage. He's efficient when he does shoot the ball, but he only averaged 17 points per game last year, and he did not really improve. His player efficiency rating was 64th in the league, and it was it improved only 0.04 points. So what worries me is that Ben Simmons, and I know maybe I'm being naive about like, oh, he's a 23-year-old or whatever, but I mean, he's been in the limelight for a long time. And he did not improve his jump shot really at all. Like, typically, you see a guy, they expand from close range, they expand to mid-range, and then they're able to shoot the three. But for Ben Simmons, throughout the year, he proved unable to consistently hit a mid-range jump shot and knock down free throws during crunch time. So that's my worry about Ben Simmons, and that's why I'm emphasizing the Sixers should have waited until next year, seeing how this team actually does together, kind of similar to the Raptors, the way that they took a gamble this year by acquiring Kawhi Leonard and having a lot of guys on expiring contracts and seeing if it worked. And if it did, then you make then you find a way like the Warriors do all the time with the cap. You find a way to make it work numbers-wise with the cap. Maybe you trade Al Horford. Maybe you get rid of his contract. Maybe you get rid of Tobias Harris. But you keep Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid together if it works, which it hasn't entirely, which 
that hasn't entirely been the case so far. So I have severe um, worries about this contract and the length of it. And for the Sixers' sake, I really hope it works out because they are tying down their entire future to a guy that shot 60% from the field. From the free throw line last year. And 66% from the inside of the paint. And, and I mean... A guy yeah. who was 154th in net rating, um, guy 64th in player efficiency rating, and a guy that I have serious concerns about whether he can get better. Yeah, but uh, so he shoots 66% from the inside of the paint, <clears throat> which obviously people want a versatile player that can shoot from all over the court. That's, you know... The name of the game that you can shoot from all over the court, but for someone that shoots that efficiently, and someone that play makes as well as he does, I don't really see the problem in this contract. I mean, it's just it's the money situation that's happening in the NBA. That's what you had to tie down in a future point guard and a um, <clears throat> tra- franchise point guard, and he's shown every reason why he's perfect and next to players like Joel Embiid. Shooters like Tobias Harris, you know, Al Horford will help the defensive end. He's not so imperative on the offensive end, but getting open looks through Ben Simmons is going to be amazing for his efficiency on offense. And he's just shown that it's a it's rare, it's in a rare comedy to have someone like Ben Simmons, someone to play make. Like I don't know how many teams I can name right now that have someone like him. And what do you mean by someone like him? Someone that can average eight assists per game and continue to be counted on for clutch assists and just continuous playmaking and a lack of tunnel vision on offense at the point guard position. I don't know. I mean, I can think of a bunch of guys. Yeah, go for Kyle it. Kyle Lowry. Um, he averaged think... eight assists per game? Yeah, he did. Okay. Ben Simmons, he was eighth in assists per, per game in the league, which is impressive. But you have guys like John Wall. You have other guys, Mike Conley. Uh, you have even Steph Curry. Is although they play him more, they played him last year more without the ball because of Kevin Durant being there. This year they will have him take up the ball and be more involved, coming off of pick and rolls and really facilitating for his teammates. So I could definitely see him averaging that amount of assists. Even James Harden averaged eight assists. Uh, but the key thing about those guys is that they also averaged 27 points per game. So when you're paying a guy the maximum amount that you can pay him, and I, I read an article on Bleacher Report about the max contracts that, that were handed out this season, and even Kawhi Leonard didn't check all the boxes because there were questions about his leadership, and when you're giving a guy the most that you can possibly give him, under NBA contract rules, he, according to NBA executives, he must check three boxes. Leadership, intangibles, and playmaking ability. And I would 100% agree that he checks all those boxes. I mean, he has to be productive on the court in terms of points, rebounds, and assists. He needs to be productive uh, in the locker room and... He needs to um, impact the game on the defensive end and make his teammates better. And while Ben Simmons, I would argue, he does make his teammates better in terms of handing the, uh, giving them the ball in good positions and facilitating for them 
I think the lack of spacing that the fact that he can't shoot really, um, I think that inhibits the Sixers, uh, especially during the playoffs where the defense actually ramps up. And I mean, we saw that in game seven. So I'm not arguing that Ben Simmons is a bad player. I think quite the contrary. He's a very good player. But is he worth five years, $170 million? Hell freaking no. Okay, let's go on to the next uh, question. After watching most of the highly touted rookie rookies compete in the Summer League, which ones impressed you the most, Aaron? Um, <clears throat> well, let's start off in the Grizzlies, who won the Summer League. Brandon Clark, I mean, he dropped in the first round, and they got him for a very nice contract, a very nice trade. And... I mean, he was the Summer League MVP. He averaged around 18 points per game. And he was just the uh, someone that we saw in Gonzaga that someone who is a short forward but can take people off the dribble and can shoot consistently. And people had questions about his height and can he actually be an effective forward in this league. And he showed every reason why he, sh- he would be. I mean, the sh- being shorter than the forwards didn't matter anything. He was faster. He was more efficient. He he's had also a higher springy. IQ. He's, he's so athletic. And, I mean, he was shooting three-pointers. That was a big knock on him in Gonzaga because he, he didn't really shoot very well. So if he could get all these pieces going, he could be a really, really valuable asset. Next to John Morant, I mean, that pick and roll. If that oh, really, my God. If that really develops for the next few years, that's one of the best in the league, 100%. Yeah, I agree. I think Brandon Clark is a dark horse to win Rookie of the Year, given that the Grizzlies are pretty thin in the front court, so he will be used a ton he's also uh he came out after his junior year after sitting out a year coming from san diego state so he's an older player he's very experienced uh he did not miss any games at gonzaga so durability is not really a concern and during the summer league he showed a little bit of everything i mean he blocked shots he defended multiple positions he uh he stepped out and knocked down the three which was which like you said was a huge knock on him and he also, um, he had a lot of uh, jams. He was able to knock down the mid-range and go to the basket. So I think I would compare him. I think we compared him to uh, John Collins. And John Collins thrived from the beginning with uh, Trey Young in the pick and roll. And he had his best year yet last year. So John Morant's arguably an even better passer, considering the average double-digit assist last year at Murray State. So I think that pick and roll could be lethal and he could definitely put up some huge numbers next year with the Grizzlies. Yeah, but I think that they need to play this, uh, you know, a little quietly. I don't think you give him 20 minutes a game right now. I think he's someone that you still need to teach the IQ, the offensive scheme. He's not someone that fits perfectly into an offensive scheme yet. And especially that you have Jaron Jackson and all these guys. I don't think you rush to put him into the lineup right yet. I think you kind of... You know, you just you develop him. Brandon Clark is someone that could be really good in the pick and roll situation with John Morant, and he did play well in the summer league. He was the MV- consensus MVP. It wasn't even a question. But it's I I, I still have question if he's a hundred percent ready for the NBA game, hundred percent ready if he fits really? into an NBA system. It's just because being a six seven power forward, it's uh, there. It comes with challenges, and he you know he had trouble shooting over taller defenders in Gonzaga, and I mean he did show a lot. I just I still have some fears about his height. I still have some fears about his defense, and I, I just think he could be a valuable, valuable asset for the Grizzlies. I just don't think you know, like the Hawks, they rushed John Collins. You know, he started start, he started right away. I just 
I think and he played well. He played relatively well. Right, and I I just think there there are some differences between Brandon Clark and John Collins, John especially Collins on the, way bigger. especially on the defensive end. Also, I I don't think you rush him to play like twenty minutes a game or start him yet. I think you ease him into it, develop him perfectly, under make sure he understands the whole scheme of the offense, and then that will really work. Uh yeah. I mean, I think. I think you put him in right away. The Grizzlies aren't competing for anything. Nobody expects them to be good. So it's not like you have to uh, manage expectations. And also, given the environment that he's coming up in, like Memphis fans are patient. It's not like he's in the the New York heat <laughs> with like the media and stuff. So I think you release him right away. You put him next to Jaron Jackson, who's an elite shot blocker, an elite athlete at 6'11". With a seven-five wingspan, I, I mean that's a really they still good have Jonas combination. Is that they resigned this year for four? That's years, true. They so do have Jonas Valanciunas. I, I, I think you you definitely bring him off the bench for the beginning, like a hundred percent. Yeah, but um, I could see him starting at the end, and I could see him uh, contributing greatly to the Grizzlies. Okay. So speaking about New York, let's talk about R.J. Barrett. I mean, <clears throat> he definitely had two horrible games to begin with, but he started to really find himself. You know, he was close to a triple double twice. He he really showed some playmaking that you didn't really see very much in, in at Duke. Uh, you saw that he was able to get the rebounds and go, and that's something that's going to be really imperative for this Knicks team. You know, they have a lot of players that are kind of similar, but you know, just pace and wise, like having Julius Randle, all these guys in the transition, that's really going to help their efficiency and their success this year. That's going to be a big thing. And so, if RJ Barrett can do that, continue to just play full steam ahead. And things that you know we didn't really see consistently at Duke. It's going to be really interesting if he's going to be successful. Yeah, I agree. I think he. I mean, he shot much better from three during his last three games, which was uh, a very welcome sign for uh, for Knicks fans. He also was more efficient overall. He didn't force it, and I mean that's just you know a general trend of being a rookie and being anxious to get get back on the court and he kind of settled in but yeah I was very enthused about the fact that he got on the glass he helped out his teammates uh being a guard that can rebound is super super helpful because like you said he can bring up the ball and facilitate for his teammates in the fast break really push the pace because the Knicks although Fisdale emphasized pushing the pace before last season they still finished middle of the pack in terms of pace with the youngest roster in the NBA. Yep. So you bring in R.J. Barrett, who can get the rebound off the glass and go. I think that's a huge um, huge help for their offense, considering they are very raw and they really don't have good weapons in the half court. Yeah, I mean, if if the Knicks are playing in the half court offense, they're really screwed. Yeah, exactly. Because they don't have shooting. Exactly. They don't have guys who can get their own at this point. So, you know, you have guys who are good athletes who can get out and run and get yourself easy baskets. Think that'll that's a really welcome sign for, for the Knicks with uh, with Barrett. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about speed, our next two guys are probably the fastest two in this draft Definitely. class. Uh, we got Nah, Nikhil Alexander Walker. He averaged twenty five points per game actually, and six assists for the uh, Pelicans. And I gotta say, I mean, the other one is Kobe White. And as Your a boy, I love you know he he didn't shoot as well, but what I saw from Kobe White is just playmaking. You know, his big knock on him coming into the class was is he just a shooting guard is he a guy that's just going to score and he actually didn't score that efficiently but he playmaked efficiently so that was really good to see but 
when he went up against Nikhil Alexander-Walker, he definitely got shut down. This guy is a lengthy point guard that can really start play right away for the Pelicans, I think. He's a smart defender that reminds me a lot of Shai Gilligas Alexander. Um, I believe that's his cousin. I'm not really sure. It's something. They're definitely related. Um, and, uh, you know, he's just someone that is in the passing lanes always. And he shot really well that he didn't show at Virginia Tech. And it's just... He 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 showed everything that in the summer league, and it's it's a bright spot for the Pelicans. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he could slot in right next to um, Drew Holiday, and he could also really give Lonzo Ball a run for his money. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lonzo Ball is no guarantee to start at this point. It's not like the Pelicans have a ton of assets invested in Lonzo Ball. So, you know, Lonzo Ball is going to have to earn his money. He's going to have to. He's really going to have to earn his spot on the Pelicans as their starting point guard, considering what Nikhil Alexander showed during the summer league. Uh, it's his cousin, just saying. Okay. <laughs> and, um, I mean, also for the Bulls. The Bulls really, they're both of their draft picks this year played really well and showed a lot of promise. I mean, we Daniel got... Gafford. I like that guy coming out of Arkansas anyway, given that he was a great athlete. He rebounded the ball effectively. He had an NBA body, which can't be understated. You know, some guys, they never develop into their body. But Daniel Gafford is a man, and he can really help the Bulls. And I've predicted this before on the podcast in one of the previous episodes. I said the Nets will not make the playoffs to the Bulls. And I think Daniel Gafford, with his body, will help the Bulls make the playoffs over the Nets. You're making me smile so much, man. Uh, Daniel Gafford, he he showed everything in summer league. He averaged 13, 8, and 3 blocks, actually. And he's just, he reminded me of a young Taj Gibson, a guy that just is going to sh- prove his energy. He's got every a constant single, motor. Every single time down the court. And, you know, he loves to say that he runs like a deer. And I, I heard it so many times in the draft process, but he did. Every single time transition or anything he was with the point guards and that's just a viable thing and that's awesome to have a forward that's just so ready to run with the guards and him and Kobe White I mean the first play for the Bulls in the summer league was a Kobe White alley-oop to Daniel Gafford so it's looking bright it's looking it's looking really nice for the Bulls okay so next question Zion Williamson just withdrew from the FIBA World Cup citing you know he wants to learn the Pelicans offense a little better he also wants to improve his fitness and given that he was shut down, he looked uh, pretty winded out there for the Pelicans, uh, and he was shut down with a bruised knee. So do you think Pelicans fans, Aaron, mm-hmm. should be concerned about Zion's fitness? No, I mean, you got to look at it in perspective. I mean, the Summer League, first of all, that was two months after like his whole world tour through. That's true. Um, so he clearly, you know, he was working out, but he had a lot of business things to do. And I think that's why he is not playing for the FIBA World Cup. I think he needs to um, work on his game, learn the offensive scheme. I think it's a perfect idea. I think there's no need. He was on the. He was also on the practice squad. There's no need to tire yourself out and try and prove a spot for the FIBA World Cup. You know, just play with your team, learn your teammates, learn what they like, and stick with that. Yeah, I agree. You know, given that I'm a huge Duke fan and watched almost every game. Zion and I didn't Zion plays as hard as anybody in the draft plays as hard as any Duke player that I can remember and 
in his last three NCAA tournament games, all games that went down to the wire, man, they, those were fun games. But he averaged 39 minutes per game while also averaging 26.3 points per game. So it's not like he's lollygagging in these 39 minutes. He's going after it. So I think once Zion, you know, gets acclimated with the Pelicans, and I also agree with your point that it was smart for him to skip the USA basketball team and just say, I'm going to get myself in shape. I'm going to get acclimated with the Pelicans, how they run their fitness, how they run their practices, so that I can hit the ground running when the season starts and make sure that I can play as many games as possible. Yeah, that just shows to me that, you know, all with all this fame, he has one idea, and that's success. You know, if he really wanted fame, he really wanted to continue his money and endorsements, then he, he would have joined the FIBA World Cup. But you could see Definitely. that his, his main goal is to just be successful. Uh, so it's been reported that the Washington Wizards, uh, with a new GM, will offer Bradley Beal the three-year, $111 million max extension. So Alex, should he take this? Is this, a, is this something that Bradley Beal should even consider? No freaking way. Dude, the Wizards are sinking ship. They're an embarrassment of an organization. So he needs to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> I mean, they're terrible. They have no fan base. Yeah, but what if he doesn't John get that money Wall, somewhere He else? and John Wall, I mean, Bradley Beal averaged 25-5-5 five, and five last year. He'll get his money somewhere. And he played 80, 80 games, too. So he'll get his money somewhere. And, you know, the there's questionable chemistry between he and... And an ailing John Wall who's coming back from an Achilles injury. No, he, he hurt something again. He's out for this year, too. Remember? Really? He tore his ACL, and then while walking around, he hurt something else. Okay, so he's out again this year. Right. So you don't have John Wall. You really have a lack of exciting young prospects other than the guy you drafted, Rui Hachimura, who, you know, you're not sure what he's going to be. The Wizards are a horrible team. They really they have Isaiah they lost Thomas. They haven't, I mean, he's injury prone as heck. He couldn't even crack the Nuggets rotation last year. So, I mean, Bradley Beal, are you going to sacrifice your prime years to stay with a franchise that really, that seemingly has no direction? The answer has to be no. So he should get the heck out of there as quickly as possible. He should take the next Amtrak back up to, (laughs) up to the garden. Yeah, okay. It'll suit him yeah, well. Because everyone wants to play for James Dolan these days. Okay. So that will be all. We'll see you back here on Thursday. And make sure to submit any questions that, that you have through Instagram or email us at sixthmanpodcast at gmail.com. That's sixthmanpodcast at gmail.com. And we will answer them um, promptly in our next episode. And the best question will actually receive a free gift card of $20 to the NBA store. So answer them. We will see you back here on Thursday. Thank you so much.